Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the video cast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. And on today's episode, I have a fellow traveling family, and I love interviewing uh, fellow family travelers, uh, fellow digital nomad families. Uh, today we have David and his wife on the show. Uh, they run a several different companies and several different projects online. Everything from deluxe paths to Nomadica to uh, doing uh, stock and day trading online. Uh, they have two kids. One of them is actually only two months old. Uh, so in the midst of their busy uh, parenting schedule, they've actually taken time off to be on the show. Uh, so super grateful for that. Uh, so uh, why don't you guys firstly share a little bit more about yourself? Sure. Sarah, do you want to sure, I'm Sarah. I'm 31, and I'm a fiction writer when I get the time between taking care of kids and travel. Um, but we met, David and I met at Amazon in 2009, where we were both working, and then we um, got married in 2011 and decided for a change we'd apply to jobs at the Luxembourg offices in Amazon because we wanted to live abroad and try that. And we love the experience in Luxembourg, but we wanted more. So after our first son was born in 2013, we moved to the South African offices in Amazon and lived there for two years. And after that, we just still couldn't get enough of travel and wanted to work for ourselves. So that's when we met in 2015. And we've been doing it ever since. Yeah. Uh, I guess a little bit about me. Awesome. Want to add anything to that, David? Yeah, uh, just a little about me. Uh, similar path. Uh, worked for Amazon for 10 years. I moved, uh, worked at about five locations with them. Um, and when we, in 2015, when I resigned, um, we went back to the States to visit family and then headed out on our kind of, wasn't, plan to be around the world trip, but it was uh, get a little more and get a few more countries in that we have been wanting to see. Um, and during that time, uh, I launched Nomadica's online uh, retail store of travel goods, uh, all sustainable, socially responsible um, companies. And then about halfway through 2016, um, we, we launched a store, but I kind of transitioned to trading um, stocks, commodities. Uh, it's been kind of a passion of mine since I was in high school. Um, it was a hobby for a while, and um, I found last year I'm, I'm pretty good at it. So it, it kind of snowballed into more full-time career in trading, um, and that's, that's been what's kind of kept us going, um, traveling. So. Well, exciting times. I'm uh, definitely going to be covering all those in the show today. Everything from Luxpath to Nomadica to day trading to family travel to much more. It's a lot of content, so let's get the ball rolling. Uh, so David and Sarah, uh, why don't we start off with Luxpath? Uh, tell us a little bit more about the website, the blog, uh, the origin story there. Uh, you know, what are the major themes and topics you're writing about? Fill us in. Right. Well, Luxpats is our travel blog, and we started it because we were having some really unique and crazy experiences that we both wanted to remember, but we also thought that other traveling families or families who are thinking about traveling might benefit from. And so our, we decided not to try and monetize the blog. It's just to share our experiences, for instance, with 
um, having a baby in a foreign country or um, the psychology behind constantly leaving and arriving, um, kind of the grief that you deal with in travel or just other interesting aspects that you wouldn't encounter in a stationary life. So um, that's really just our passion project and we haven't updated it recently because we've been really busy with the baby and our three-year-old son broke his femur. So he's been in a, a speaker cast with both legs. Um, but when we're normally um, functioning, we post on it <laughs> a couple times a week, just about um, family travel and being digital nomads and the minimalism lifestyle. Yeah, and just just to add to it, the origin, um, a lot of people hear Luxpats and they think luxury travel, and uh, we are absolutely not your luxury travel um, family. Maybe that was a bad name. <laughs> it's, uh, when, we, when we moved abroad, our first country was Luxembourg. Um, so it was kind of Luxembourg expats um, is, is how the name came about. Yeah. Sounds good. I'm sure you're getting some traffic anyway from people uh, typing in luxury expat travel or something <laughs> like that. So it's still good for, uh, for Google Juice for SEO ranking, right? <laughs> Yeah, they're they're thinking, man, these these people, their standards are way low <laughs> for luxury. <laughs> yeah, no. We get a lot of questions, a lot of questions from people who are just thinking about starting to travel. Sometimes somehow they found our blog and they ask us about finding schools and whether their kids, our kids, make friends and maintain relationships. So yeah. we've met a lot of interesting people through the blog. Awesome. Uh, so uh, from there, you've actually launched an uh, amazing travel product uh, site uh, where you actually uh, created some products, gear uh, for, for traveling families, for parents, and for kids. Uh, tell us more. Uh, walk us through the journey of Nomadica. Uh, what, what, how did you get the idea? And then uh, how did you get it from idea to launch stage? Sure. Um, so when we, <coughs> excuse me, uh, when, when I resigned from Amazon, um, a lot of what we read about uh, with with you know creating, I guess, going into the digital nomad lifestyle, um, you either have a career that can be uh, managed remotely, uh, or if if you're like the twenty-something-year-olds that go to Chiang Mai and hope to find a career, um, you know, what I notice is that those who were successful had a lot of leads in the water, so they, you know, some might try a little bit of uh, Amazon, fulfillment by Amazon, uh, private labeling, um, internet marketing, uh, but they, they kind of put their energy into three or four things and then whichever one generates income, kind of zero in on, the, on that. So we took a similar approach. Um, Nomadica, we were, we, we knew we wanted to launch an online store. Uh, we knew we wanted to do private label products um, in, in which, I guess category was up in the air. And I think it was um, early 2016 that we saw the documentary, uh, The True Cost. And it goes into um, basically the fast fashion, in, uh, fast fashion industry, um, some of the, you know, kind of human rights violations that are occurring um, in India and Bangladesh. Uh, and it just, for us, it really spoke to us. We, we, we started researching more, not just which materials are sustainable, uh, didn't require pesticides, um, but also just the social responsibility side. Um, 
you know, fair trade, things like that. And so when we, when we launched the site, um, we didn't want to launch a bunch of products. We wanted to focus on travel products that we would use as a traveling family, uh, lightweight, durable, uh, and of course, sustainable and socially responsible, um, socially uh, responsibly sourced. Um, and so for our products, we, we started with, um, we have a nursing cover. Um, so when you're breastfeeding, if you want a little more privacy, it just kind of slips over and, and covers you. And then we also have Nomadica scarves. Um, they're made of alpaca uh, in Bolivia fair trade. And that, um, instead of having a site that just offered two things that are kind of very different, uh, a scarf and a nursing cover, um, we reached out to other companies that, that uh, resport, uh, uh, source responsibly, have uh, sustainable materials in their products. Um, and either set up an affiliate, uh, affiliates agreement where they drop ship for us, um, or we would order product and have, uh, have that product in our own warehouse. So it's, it's been, it was, uh, this, the site was launched in May, May of last year. And um, we, we sell on Amazon, but we also sell on our site, nomadica.io. Um, and it's, it's, it's been fun, um, but, like I mentioned, uh, when you drop a few leads in the water, the one that generates the most income, you tend to put more energy into, and that's um, that, was that was trading for me. So while I was setting up Nomadica, I was trading on the side, and I found um, it was a passion of mine since I was 16 years old. Um, I traded my dad's uh, retirement through the dot-com bubble. I uh, did fairly well, and uh, I had been trading as a hobby ever since, and um, kind of halfway through last year, I went really deep into uh, technical trading, um, you know, uh, trend analysis, Fibonacci, all the fancy words that people like to throw around with trading. Um, but it, in the end, that, that's, that's been producing, uh, that's been our primary income source, so. Well, uh, you know, uh, day trading, stock trading, option trading, uh, all of that trading is actually a great, Two hours and then uh, go crazy there. Two free time to actually relax, enjoy, and uh, alleviate the stress of uh, what's happening with the stock market, right? Yeah, you, you cut up there. Uh, you cut up a, a little bit there. Can you repeat? Did we lose you, Ricky? Sorry, I, I, I think we can hear you now. You cut up there a bit. Okay. Uh, uh, by the way, everyone, uh, we're here in Medellin, Colombia, and the Wi-Fi <laughs> isn't that great, so apologies about the Wi-Fi. But hey, life is a days of nomad means you're never going to get perfect Wi-Fi, and I'm sure you guys can relate. Uh, now that you're in the U.S., you probably have amazing Wi-Fi, but on the road, it's definitely up and on. And I think you guys mentioned you were living in Cape Town, South Africa. I was there earlier in uh, the year, in I think uh, February, March time, and oh man, the Wi-Fi there was uh, terrible, so <laughs> I I'm sure you can relate. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, what I was asking you is, uh, tell us a little bit more about uh, day trading. Uh, it's actually a great career in terms of becoming a digital nomad because you work during the stock hours and then you have the free time uh, to spend time with family, travel, sightseeing, uh, and building up your other uh, nomadic business and the blog. Uh, walk us through, uh, you know, um, how you got into trading and what specifically you're uh, trading about, and 
I would love to hear about your kind of workflow because I know most traders are actually working, I guess, around the, the stock exchange uh, times. So if you can walk us through uh, those elements of being a trader. Sure. Um, so I, I would say for the nomad lifestyle, it's it really is one of the the most well suited uh, careers for for traveling. I mean, all you need is a is a laptop um, and a Wi Fi connection and a Wi Fi connection. But uh, I, I think with trading, one 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 thing to kind of preface that whole career with is um, you do need capital to trade, and a lot of a lot of people will market or, or pitch the idea that if you have a thousand dollars, you know, you can turn that thousand into 10,000 and a hundred thousand and, you know, get rich. And, you know, it, it does take quite a bit of capital. Um, if you, I would say a professional trader um, will consistently yield 1% return a week on the principal. So that will give you an idea of, you know, how much money you should have in your account to, to trade without, a lot of pressure to get those those crazy returns. Um, you will come across traders who say, "I, you know, I make 100% a month, and uh, you know that's that's how I do it." But when you really question them, if if they're making 100% a month, and uh, even if they had a thousand dollars, I mean, they they should be a millionaire, maybe a billionaire, if that's what they're doing um, consistently. Uh, there are months where you can yield. 40%, 50% in a month, um, but it's it's consistency that matters in this game. So, um, so trading, um, you know, I I mentor uh, beginner traders. Uh, I have a forum. I uh, do Skype calls and kind of walk them through the basics uh, and then my strategy. But uh, really, it's a it's a career where you learn the basics. Um, you will always be learning. There's always new strategies. Um, but you find a strategy that matches kind of your personality and also your risk tolerance. Um, so I, I might have a perfect strategy that, um, you know, can yield me a, a couple grand a month or a few grand a month, and I can hand it over to you and say, you know, follow these rules, follow the strategy, and you can do the same. But your risk tolerance may be much higher, much lower, and, um, you know, you there's ways to tweak that strategy for your personality, but... Um, I think with trading, it's it's very much you can learn the technicals, you can learn the basics, um, but in the end, it's psychology that's tough. So you can you can have this strategy. Shooting that strategy is a whole another ball game when money is on the line. Um, in fact, a lot of a lot of strategies will actually have you buying when the instrument, the stock, the, the option is dropping significantly. So you're looking at a chart where the price of something you're going to buy is, tanking. is tanking and your strategy says buy now. So it, it takes, you know, a bit of um, courage to, to take that position um, and hold it and hold it through the strategy. So even if um, even if you come up with a strategy, backtest it, and it says you, know, you you will return twenty percent a month on this. Um, actually executing it, you might only return eight uh, percent because your risk tolerance is low. Your risk tolerance is low, so it's it's something that you kind of um, um, develop over time as far as a sense of what you're willing to risk, um, what strategy works best for you, and there's there's a lot of 
there's a lot of great content online. Um, there's a free course that I'm going through right now. Uh, I think his name is Adam Grimes. Uh, if your listeners want to look it up, but he offers a free trading course that's very in depth, uh, uh, talking weeks long. And video content brings you from very basic trading into advanced trading. Uh, it's a great resource. But YouTube also has uh, a ton of a ton of content for for people to learn the career. Um, if they're interested in you know mentorship and me sharing my strategy or or trade setups, um, they can reach out to me and I'll uh, introduce them to the forum. I could do free week trial. Just check it out. Um, but yeah, that's trading. Um, to your other points, uh, you know, family time. It's very flexible. Uh, for me, I trade gold futures, oil futures, which open trading at uh, I think six. My time zones are a little off. Uh, I think it's six six p.m. Uh, Sunday evening to six p.m. Eastern time. Eastern time uh, to six p.m. Friday. So. <coughs> Um, typically if you're, if you're trading stocks, you have that window of New York trading. Uh, so 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Uh, or 9.30 to 5, 5 p.m. And uh, with futures, it's, it, it hits all markets. So when New York is closing, Asia might be opening. When Asia is closing, London's opening. So you, you can trade around the clock, um, which for me works great. The best trading uh, for gold and oil for me, uh, is about 4 a.m. to 10 a.m. And the rest of the day, it, it could be volatile, it could be flat. Uh, but for me, that's that that seems to be the, the, the best hours. And for a family, that's great. Um, you know, I can get up super early, uh, do some trading, and check out and spend some more time with my family. Uh, how much, how often that actually happens? because yeah, <laughs> she's gone she's gone eh. you know there i think you end up but part of this is sticking to the strategy also and trusting <laughs> i think that that's theoretically true but a lot of times you end up babysitting your trades just to make sure that, that your charts are still right and so the amount of time you actually spend in a trade can be kind of unpredictable which means as a family you really have to be flexible so yeah um, and you have to have, if you have kids, your partner has to be there or somebody has to be there to take care of the kids because if you've got, you know, a lot of money on the line, then he has to stick with it and somebody else has to pick up the slack. Yeah. So, so some trades can be, uh, you, you take the trade and an hour later you're up $600 and you get out and you're done. Um, other times it's, you get in the trade and it's been flat and so you watch it into the night and uh yeah i mean those, those are rough those are the rough days in trading um but when i look back at you know my time with amazon it doesn't matter the career you're gonna have these days where you're just in a rut or you're uh um working a lot more hours than you'd like uh, away yeah. from your family so Speaking of family, I mean, uh, you guys are a traveling family. Uh, I guess when you started, you were just uh, a couple, and now you've added one kid, and now you added the second kid just two months ago. Uh, so walk us through the actual journey from, uh, you know, uh, being a married couple on the road to being a family traveling on the road and, and now having the two young kids. Uh, walk us through that. 
Yeah. Well, uh, obviously, life travel as a couple is very different than travel as a family. And when we were having our first son, we were both about 27, and we were just kind of brash about it. We said, well, we're going to have a kid, and we're not going to stop traveling, and that's it. And um, obviously, a lot, and times were difficult. Um, but we had our first son in Luxembourg while we, was, we were still working for Amazon. Um, and then when the time came to move to South Africa, we just we had no choice in terms of um, picking up and leaving and having to move between a few different t uh, temporary housing places. So I think that experience with our three month old at the time convinced us that because we'd survived it, um, moving maybe, how, how it, was, it was in two months because of snafus with our housing. Mm -hmm. And so we didn't have all of the baby gear that a stationary family has. We didn't, sometimes he had to sleep in a drawer with a blanket. And after that happened and we all survived and the, our son wasn't traumatized, we decided, okay, well, let's just keep doing it. And then when, so we've been traveling with our first son for a couple of years and he, we're just amazed at how resilient and adaptive kids are. Um, you know, he's done fine. He makes friends wherever he is. And obviously he's younger, so we have yet to see how it works out when he's older. He's th uh, just turned four right now. But then when we had been nomads for about a year and we started really thinking about having another child, it wasn't an easy automatic decision. Um, and we knew that that would be difficult um, with a newborn because we're now living, um, we've been living for a few months in Guanajuato, Mexico, where nobody speaks English. Um, and so if we were to have a baby there, we knew it would be difficult, but we decided that it was important. And so we did it. And um, it's been a little stressful navigating the medical system and the government system to to have our baby and find a doctor and get his official birth certificate at this office and go to the public health center and do this all in Spanish. But, um, you know, humans are also resilient and adaptive as well. And we got through it somehow. And uh, so we're just now we're now I think I don't think there's anything that will be too uh, intimidating after this. So I think we're probably done having kids and it'll, it'll just be the four of us going around the globe. You know, you have uh, kids and you just do it. I do have kids indeed. I have a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and a one-year-old, and we're traveling the globe with them. And it's definitely stressful, especially when they're throwing tantrums in the middle of a public place, especially when there's cultural differences, language barriers. Uh, so I can just imagine having, actually having kids on the road uh, even, uh, you know, accentuates the stress factor. Uh, walk us through, um, you know, now that you've had kids on the road, uh, what does that mean in terms of their visas, their passports, their nationalities, their citizenships? Uh, you've had one in Europe, one in Mexico, and you guys are from the U.S. So what does yeah. that mean? <laughs> it's interesting. The process was very different in Luxembourg than it was in Mexico. Um, in Luxembourg, there are a lot of expats living there already um, and there are a lot of blogs and resources about what do you do when you have a child abroad so all we had to do was gather our paperwork our marriage certificates birth certificates and bring them get an appointment at the u.s embassy and then 
Um, a week or two later, they sent us his passport and his CRBA, which is, if you're not getting a passport, that's the document that confers U.S. citizenship. And it came in the mail, and that was that. So that was easy. Um, in Mexico, it was entirely <coughs> different. And we, um, we, when we decided to have a second child, we decided we wanted to have a child in a country where uh, he or she could have dual citizenship. Um, and that tended to be the case in uh, South America more often than in Europe and in Asia. And we had always wanted to live in Mexico for a little while, so we decided on Mexico for a variety of reasons. So what happens then is that um, when he was born, um, we had to jump through a lot of hoops to get his U.S. citizenship because to get, um, if you're a foreigner in Mexico, you can't just give them your marriage certificate and your birth certificate. You have to send back to the States to get an apostille, and then you have to get an, an official translation. And then, so that took a while. And then they also, we needed to get a vaccination card, which was confusing because our newborn, it was a newborn and he didn't have vaccinations yet and so that was just a lot of back and forth with the um, Center of Public Health. So finally we got his official Mexican birth certificate uh, and then with all of those documents and we used that to get an appointment at the U.S. Embassy um, with a, another set of documents and then we finally right before we had to fly out before our visas expired got his US passport. Now when we go back, we have to do the same process for his Mexican passport. But he is right now an officially a Mexican citizen and a US citizen. We just need the passport. So it was harder this time around. Yeah, and, and just to clarify, so Spencer was born in Luxembourg, um, but they don't have, um, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but Joseli, it's a birth, birthright by soil. Um, I don't, I don't so know. So he can't be a Luxembourg citizen. Right. So he, he only has the, the U.S. citizenship. When we decided to have a second child, we were, we, we actually did like a spreadsheet of different countries that we would consider. Um, but one of the big things was we wanted dual citizenship. So um, that pretty much put us in the Americas, um, you know, all the way down. It's pretty much all have... Um, that's uh, if you're born there well. if you're yeah. born physically there then you can have citizenship so yeah. and does that apply for the parents too that the, not only that does the kid have dual but the parents can have it too uh, we've heard that it makes it a lot easier uh, to get permanent residency if you have a child with Mexican citizenship we've just finished the process of getting his passport so we now have to look into getting ourselves but we've heard from other people that it's a lot easier. Yeah, it might be. Um, it's been a while since I've looked into this, but I think it's. I think typically you need like four years temporary residency, then you can apply for permanent residency, and then you can apply for citizenship. In and Mexico, I, I think yeah. with a child who's a Mexican citizen, you might be able to just apply for permanent residency. So it might not. It might make the process quicker um, toward toward citizenship. So it, it's definitely something we're looking into. Um, and that we want so yeah i've heard the term anchor baby you anchor the baby by having the kid in a foreign, foreign yeah. land and then boom uh by the miracle of miracles the kids that dual citizenship and so are the parents so it sets you up for retirement uh somewhere in mexico exactly 
exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, a great, great uh, tool uh, actually. Um, um, you know, uh, to set yourself up for the future. Uh, I'm curious to know about um, you know um, having young kids is actually quite stressful. I have uh, three young ones, five and under, and it actually ca causes a lot of tension in our marriage and our family and in our in our own uh, individual stress life. So walk us through how you guys are dealing with it because uh, um, you know sometimes we don't share that publicly on social media we're always smiling and happy in our in our marriage photos and our family photos but the reality of life behind the pictures is fighting and stress and tension so I'd love to hear that side of things too because it isn't always rosy and happy tell us oh, about that so right and it's nice to hear you say that because um, you're in your own bubble so much of the time just trying to survive and you Again, going through the same thing but I think with Spencer when we had our first child that was a whole that was um, a year two-year adjustment in our marriage uh, learning to parent learning to parent together at the time I wasn't working in South Africa and David was and I wasn't used to not working so being a stay-at-home mom was a big adjustment for me and that put tension on our marriage um, and so right when things were getting easy again, when Spencer was three and a half, we decided to add another one into the mix and we thought, okay, we've got this down. We know what the struggles are, but obviously it was a different beast and now we're going through the same struggle, but at least you, you know, it's going to be hard, even if you can't prevent that. And so just knowing that is making it a little, um, a little easier, but I think for us, it's just been learning how to be a really good team and always giving what you can give and, um, you know, and then constant prioritization. Okay, this has to happen, so I'm going to take care of the kids. Okay, I've been taking care of the kids for three days straight. He's going to give me a break because now he has time. And that is such a hard balance and communication when, you know, a kid needs food, a kid's diaper needs changed, and you don't have time to sit here and talk about it as a couple. You just have to intuit one another. Um, so that has been really hard. Um, so just, uh, and especially recently, um, you know, I've been, I've been focusing on trading and she was going through all the, the bureaucratic processes, the, 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 the paperwork to get uh, our, our second son's uh, citizenship, uh, U.S. passport, all of that. Um, meanwhile, so two weeks after our son was born, our, our first son broke his femur, um, and he was put into a, a, a speaker cast, which is from the waist down, both legs, um, and that was. Um, I, I think a, a couple years back, you had a there's a psychologist that told her um, having a newborn is like having a disabled um, family member. And that, you know, that's the stress that it puts on the family is that you're, you're essentially taking care of, taking care of a you know, disabled family member. And now it's like we, we have a newborn and we actually have a disabled family member. He needs so a bedpan, sponge baths, <laughs> he's a three-year-old, so he can't, he's antsy and he can't move. So I think after this, I mean, we can do anything. You just, <laughs> you just. As long as they don't, uh, both don't break their legs and we're, I think we're okay. <laughs> Yeah, we you just survive, I guess, you know, <laughs> you just try and survive and then talk when you can and reset your marital um, balance and 
Yeah, I definitely hear you though, because like a, a lot of people who blog about their family travels, um, you look on Instagram and the and their blog, and it's all, you know, sunshine, beaches, um, big smiles, and um, you know, a few of us have posted just kind of tongue in cheek. You know, this is the real life. Here you go, and it's just like some kids sitting around a table and they're bored, and you know, one's one's crying, the other, you know, we're just trying to warm up a bottle, and it's like it's you know, that chaos doesn't go away when you hit the road. It's, it's, it's amplified if anything. Um, but I, I will say the additional time that you get as a family, um, is incredible at working at Amazon. I, I, I really enjoyed my time working at Amazon. Um, but it is very hard to prioritize, uh, work and family. And, you know, I was often working 60 hours a week, 65 hours a week. And, um, now that I've backed out of that and I'm getting, you know, I'm working 20, 30 hours a week and getting a lot of time with family. Um, we can kind of read, we can read each other better. We, we can communicate better. Um, just understanding, you know, what I need, what she needs. So. Yeah. We're definitely a tighter family unit, even if it's more volatile than yeah. it would have been. And I love the term you guys use, uh, teamwork. It is definitely that, uh, you know, uh, the team needs to support each other. Sometimes the husband needs to step it up. Sometimes the wife does. Usually it's the husband, actually. Uh, <laughs> you know, gu guilty as charged, guilty as charged. <laughs> and then uh, my wife's probably saying, amen, amen, you know. <laughs> preach it, Ricky, preach it, Ricky. Uh, so, you know, uh, and it's kind of funny enough. I'm here with the kids running around in the background. My daughter's sleeping there. My son's running around. But, hey, that's life on the road. You do your interviews while the kids are running around. And sometimes they're jumping on you. Sometimes they're screaming and you still got to get your work done because if you, if you don't then guess what's gonna happen You're gonna suffer even more because the finances are tight. Yes. Yeah Yeah, absolutely So, uh, you know, uh, you guys have actually moved around the globe uh, from Europe uh, You've moved to South Africa. You, you mentioned Mexico now you're in the US I would love to know about the future uh, You're based in the US obviously for a few months now while you adjust and you have some family support walk us through uh, What's gonna happen in the next few months? And the next few years and beyond for you guys. Yeah. Well, we're actually just here for three weeks because we needed to renew our tourist visas in Mexico. Uh, we just entered Mexico on a tourist visa. We had been traveling in 2016. I think we lived in was it seven different countries. And when we decided to have a baby, we decided we wanted to just take a little bit of a break and stay in one place for longer. So far, we've loved Guanajuato, where we had our baby, and so we have a year lease on an apartment there. So on August 3rd, we'll go back to Guanajuato, Mexico. Um, Spencer, our oldest son, is enrolled in a Montessori preschool there, um, which was really great, and he was loving it. Um, before he broke his leg, he'll, he'll go back to preschool again in August. But so we loved that he was learning Spanish and making some friends. So I think we'll stay there in Guanajuato at least until January of 2018. Um, and then we'll reevaluate. Um, but it's just been really nice to have a home base with the infant and still feel like we're exploring other cultures because we're learning Spanish and all of that. But um, and then, you know, six months is about as far ahead as we plan. I don't know how you guys do it if you plan it further ahead, but we've just kind of stopped planning more than about six months and we just evaluate at that time. It's funny you mentioned six months. I have no idea where we're going to be next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah not, 
Guanajuato, we uh, last year was a bit fast. I mean, we lived in seven countries. I think we visited a total nine. Um, but uh, it, it was it was a little too fast for us. Um, I think what we the the rate of travel that we prefer is about three months in a, in a location. Um, and going into this year, we said, well, we, we want to find a place that we can home base it for a year um, and potentially you know, actually make it a home base that we, we travel out from. Right. Uh, Guanajuato is great. Um, uh, traveling back to the States to visit family. Um, it's cheap and quick. Yeah. I think it was, it was a seven hour journey and living in Cape town. I th- we were used to a 37 hour journey home. Uh, so this is, this is a piece of cake. Um, I, yeah, I think so this year we're spending, we're spending this year in Guanajuato. Uh, we, one of Spencer's uh, classmates in the preschool uh, was also uh, a family from, family from the U.S. Yeah, and they're, they're going they're to Medellin. Uh, Medellin, <laughs> so we wanted to come and visit them there. We've heard so many good things. Um, so we're, we're thinking Medellin is on our list for next year. Yeah. Medellin is fabulous. Uh, you know, I absolutely love uh, the city. Uh, you know, uh, the people, the food, the culture, the costs. I think one of the best parts of living here is actually how cheap it is. Uh, you can get an apartment for about uh, two, two to three hundred U.S. dollars for the whole month, and uh, foods, you know, uh, you know, under five U.S. dollars, and taxi rides are like two or three U.S. dollars around the whole city, and uh, the climate is amazing. Um, it's actually called the city of eternal spring. Uh, so it's not too hot, not too cold. And it's right in the middle of the springtime weather. And I'm walking around with t-shirt and shorts all the time, just the way I like it. And I, I love it. The fact that you're not too hot and you're not getting heat strokes. You're not too cold. You don't need jackets. Uh, so I'm actually finding, uh, uh, very few things I don't like. Um, uh, obviously, the Spanish is difficult because I don't know enough. So that's probably the biggest challenge for, for us right now is uh, communicating with the locals, interacting. Mm-hmm. But other than that, yeah, we're really liking it. And uh, there are a lot of expats here as well. So who knows? You might uh, move from being a Luxpat to a Cape Town Pat to a Mexpat to a Medellin Pat. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, we love it. Yeah. it sounds great. Yeah, yeah, it is great. It is. And, and that is why, actually, it's so one of the big digital nomad hotspots. I think there's Bali. Uh, Chiang Mai, Medellin, and uh, everyone who comes here, they rave about how good it is, including myself. As you can tell, I'm a big advocate of uh, Medellin living and Medellin travel. So, yeah, come down and visit. <laughs> well, all right. Um, so to end off here, uh, you know, there might be someone who's watching uh, or listening to this interview and they're contemplating family travel and they're contemplating how difficult is it really? How how much is it behind those uh, beautiful Instagram and pi- uh, Facebook pictures? How What are the challenges, struggles? Um, is it really worth it? Or is it better just to stay home and live in a comfortable suburban life? For us, it's definitely worth the challenges, the struggles, the pain, um, you know, the, the, the difficulties. Tell us about you. Um, is it worth it? And what would you tell that person who's watching, listening to now, who's contemplating leaving their suburb behind? I say it's a very personal decision. And I think if you're living a stationary life, you have a nine to five job, you have, you know, the typical suburban life, you just have to ask yourself, you know, deep down, are you fairly happy or do you, for us, we kind of had this sinking feeling that there was so much that we were missing and so much freedom that we were sometimes physically angry at our lack of 
freedom when we had a mortgage, you know, and we had to suddenly almost a month's paycheck was blown when our car's engine stalled and we just felt so tied down and we've always loved travel. Um, and so for us, it's, we'll take the stress, the unpredictability, the, you know, scary situations because the freedom is end all be all. That's, that's what we're going to do for the rest of our lives. Um, and I think, so if you're back home living, you just have to ask yourself, you know, are you happy? And if you're happy, you know, maybe it's not worth it for you because it is hard. Um, but if you're not happy and it's only a matter of momentum and forcing yourself to just take the leap, um, then you should just get it over with and uh, jump out of the plane because you're just postponing uh, your life. So. Yeah, and to add to that, uh, I would say if, if you if you prefer a life of routine, um, and, and look, I'm I'm we're here in Michigan visiting my father, and my father, uh, <laughs> 20 years in the military. I mean, he is 100% routine. We, we ask him, you know, so you should come down to Mexico. It's cheap. You could retire now. And he goes, No, no way. I've I've got my routine, and I totally get it. Some people, that is that's what they prefer. Um, and, and coming back to the U.S., you know, if, if you've never traveled outside the U.S., you'll find that I, there are very few places in the world that are as, as convenient as the U.S. When we come back, it's, it's just really strange to go down a strip and see tons of fast food, Walmart. Um, you know, I, you can buy anything and, and get it quickly in the States. Um, when, you're, when you're living abroad, you know, for us, when we go grocery shopping, we're going to a fruit or vegetables, we're going to a carniceria for our meats, uh, going to a separate place for, for fish, um, and then maybe go to a market to find um, a light bulb. A light bulb. Like, so you're, you're doing these these tasks all broken up as opposed to going to a Costco or Walmart. Um, so it, it, it does take some getting used to, but um, for us, we feel more alive when we are going into a local you know, a shop that's owned by a family and they're, they're just second generation butchers and second generation fruiteria owners. Um, and it's just, it's, it's a much more personal connection that you, you just don't always find in the States. Um, yeah. I, I would say also think about what stresses you out, um, and, and understand, you know, is the, is the travel lifestyle going to, um, take some of that pressure off or, or, or help. And, and for me, like, I know I stress out about money. Um, I don't, I don't rely on money. I don't, you know, I'm not materialistic. I don't buy a lot of stuff, but for some reason I just, I have a constant stress about money. Um, and maybe that's why I gravitated, gravitated toward finance, trading, economics. Um, but what I, what I find is that when I travel, it can alleviate that stress. So I worked 10 years at Amazon. We saved a lot. And when I, when we, when we live in Croatia, Mexico, Thailand, and I know that 1500 a month is going to get us by, um, that's actually a lot of stress off my shoulders. So yeah, I need to find a way to make money while we're traveling, but, but it's a lot less money than we'd have to make in the States. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
Yeah, we definitely find the same thing. Uh, we're from Vancouver, BC, Canada, and uh, over there, the real estate market is off the roof, and you, you, you're kind of in a rat race, uh, busy working and coming back to the suburb, putting your kids in daycare, and it, it, it's very chaotic, and somehow people do it, and uh, they're okay with it. Uh, you know, I, I'm cool uh, with, with uh, you know, living here, and it is a different type of stresses like we've talked about during the show, but for us, it works, and uh, for other people, it might not. They might not like living in a non-English speaking environment, so you got to consider all those variables about the culture difference, the language differences, the stresses on the road, and the, the things are not like they are back home. And you might not have a Starbucks around the corner. You might not have the creature comforts that you have back home. So, uh, so yeah, it's been great uh, chatting uh, with you guys. Uh, you know, I wish you the best uh, in your new journey as new parents. I know it is so stressful with the two-month-old. So uh, best of luck over there. Thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedule to spend time with our audience today. Thanks for having us. Yeah, sure. Thanks a lot. And to end off with, uh, you know, uh, why don't we sh uh, get, get you guys to share your websites? Uh, we covered, uh, you know, the Luxpats and Nomadica, the day trading. So how can people reach out to you through your websites and uh, to get more info? Yeah, at the Luxpats.com, we have a contact us page and we got a lot of questions from other families through that. So that's probably the easiest way. It's just the Luxpats.com. Um, nomadica.io is our store website and then do you want to, your Facebook group? Yeah, I would, I would say if there's um, listeners who want to explore the career of trading, um, get some information, um, they, they can reach out to me on luxpats.com or theluxpats.com um, and then I'll, I'll send them links to the Facebook group or the, the, the free training that I mentioned on uh, earlier in the show um, and we can go from there. Awesome. Uh, so, you know, if you're uh, contemplating getting onto the road, I highly recommend uh, the, uh, connecting with these guys, uh, David and Sarah. They have a wealth of experience and expertise in the area of family travel, expat travel, uh, anchor babying, uh, day trading. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, uh, traveling with a newborn and a toddler and, uh, you know, even marital success. So thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so thanks, everyone, for tuning in to this episode of, uh, you know, Digital Nomad Mastery. Make sure you uh, click on the links below if you want to find out about David and Sarah and all of the different business ventures and family ventures. And uh, make sure you, uh, you know, subscribe to us on iTunes. That helps us out with the rating and reviews. Uh, make sure you leave us a comment and uh, subscribe to us on YouTube if you're watching the video version. And we'll catch up with you soon. Happy travels, everyone. And thanks for tuning in to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the videocast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world.